You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. After Buzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, this is After Buzz TV for Season 4, Episode 5 of Californication. Tonight's host is Kevin Undergaro. Joining Kevin will be After Buzz co-hosts Phil Svitek and Stuart Lill. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest Californication news and gossip. We want to hear from you, too. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 347-855-8269. That's 347-855-8269. And now, picking up where the show leaves off, and the buzz continues... Kevin Undergaro! Thank you very much, Sir Richard Wentworth, our fabulous announcer. Welcome, everyone, fans of Californication, Season 4, Episode 5, entitled Freeze Frame. You know, tonight we're going to go over everything uh, that went on in the episode, but in our special segment, we're going to get into Tom Capinos, the creator of this show. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say a few weeks ago, um, I was speculating about his motivations uh, for creating the show and creating the characters, and uh, that's just not very becoming of a, um, of a host. These are things I'm supposed to know and tell you, and needless to say, uh, we've done our due diligence here at After Buzz, and we have some great things to report about him. So I'm excited to get into that, but uh, for now, let's let's discuss tonight's episode. begins with a really funny tease. Uh, Hank's in his suit. He goes back to the house. Uh, he sees Karen, the usual, like, hot, cold thing between the two of them. And he's going to pick up his suit because he needs to meet with his attorney over a statutory rape case. And Becca just walks out and deadpans the line. He's like, what do you think of me in the suit? And she says, you can't polish a turd. You can't polish a turd. <laughs> and then we're into the opening show. Um, Phil, uh, is this the – how many um, – how many seasons of this have you seen? Is this your? You... This is my this is my first season. But um, I liked you know just sort of before Becca comes out and does her bit, there we were in very much close ups. Um, they were face to face. Um, this is wait which what wait which, this is this wait. is Hank and uh, Hank and his former wife, and you're talking they, about for the opening teaser. Yes. Okay. No. So wait. Let's just wait. I just sure. wanted to, all I wanted to know was <laughs> if this is the first. This, I'm getting giddy. Because I don't know, right, because I, I know we've done these without you. You haven't done, I've, this is, your, is this your first time sitting in on, on No, Trump? no, I've done it. I've You've done them before? Why do I just think it's me and Stu? No, nah, maybe for big love. You, you guys do it for big love. It was just me and Stu for big love? Okay. All right, so obviously I think we're, we're just going to talk about Runkle, but if there's something you saw in the opening, tell me. No, well, uh, since you brought it up, I was just saying how they were very close. It was, you know, that sort of flirtatious atmosphere that you would sort of get almost from teenagers in some sense. Wait, you know? And you're saying in terms of cinematography? In terms of cinematography and the way they acted in, in that frame. It's the, well, yeah, again, the same hot and cold thing between I mean, them. she was biting her lip. You oh, know, he was okay. obviously playing to That's it. That's right. I remember seeing that. Oh, very poignant of you, Phil. Yeah, well, it's like, geez, who knows where they're going with this? 
because it's just interesting. We'll, you know, we'll get into talking about him and the attorney. But and, I don't know. Maybe that means she's the one for him. I, I, I don't know. Or maybe it's all just gray. And, and Karen's new interest as well. Well, right, and that's we'll go over that uh, much more detail a little later in the show. But, yeah, but it's teased there. He says, "How's Carmel Mochiata?" Yeah, Carmel Mochiata, Ben Harper, uh, Lenny Kravitz, just names all these yeah, caramel yeah. people, and <laughs> he's he's brutal with her, and mm. she's like, "What? Well, it's nothing." But of course, we'll find out that it's going to be more. Um, but before that's, I think the heavier part of the show. Let's talk about the lighter aspects and Runkle. Uh, feeling as though he needs to do some manscaping. And I thought one of the hilarious uh, parts of this was the, the shot of him in, in his office. In the age, uh, he's, he's in his agent's office, and Hank goes to visit him saying, I need to get more money. Hank's lying on the couch, and do you guys remember this? And he, he drops yes. his pants. And just that shot through Runkle's legs of Hank's face observing whether or not he needs manscaping or not and i just think fantastic cinematography you know in a way that um does something funny but also frames the shot frames the uh the story very well i don't know did you guys catch that yeah yeah, i I definitely liked it a lot especially just runkle you know for me obviously uh as we touched upon i've only seen this season and always brings the comedy and it, what was it in season or episode four or episode three rather, where it suggested to him that he should do some manscaping, and so he is. I like how he's so giving it off. <laughs> I just like how comfortable this agent client relationship is. I don't know if you'll find this agent client relationship anywhere else in the industry. Would you? Do you think, Kevin? Uh, that, I, you know, uh, you know what I think. A lot of the the Hanks out there, mm-hmm. their agents like that with them. Because it's about being buddy-buddy, like, hey, big guy, you know, that sort of dichotomy. Mm-hmm. So you do see it. Is it genuine? I don't know. With these two, it's genuine. Uh-huh. And well, that's I mean, what makes it cool. I mean, is that no? I mean, I don't have any friends that I do that with. <laughs> so, I mean, Well, that's... it's Californication film. Yes. You know, you're an East Coast kid, and obviously you have European, deep European roots. But for that's the whole crux of this show it's californication so it's all craziness out here mm-hmm. it's, 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 i just find it especially entertaining that um as bald as runkle is that he has the bushiest uh groin of anyone i've seen right because uh, i mean because we see the pubes later and uh well he only did it because he wanted to look big uh-huh er Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, he, and, and again, great ex-boss, he bumped into a girl at Starbucks, and of course, the girl stunk up the toilet. But whatever, he's going to go on a date with her, and he wants to look his best. And so he's in his bathroom shaving, and we get to see the tramp stamp, which just, they continue to get mileage out of that joke, and it does, so far hasn't gotten old for me. But when I see the tramp stamp in the bathroom, and he's uh, he's shaving away, I'm laughing. Of course, the big giant balls of pubic hair. And did did you guys as men cringe when yeah, he I cut himself? I, I just I couldn't. It brought me back to that something about Mary scene where Ben Stiller zipped up his his uh, his, his penis in the bathroom. But um, but I just couldn't imagine what he could do with a with a razor. Uh, oh well, creative license. Oh no no. I I was uh, but I really wanted to see it. That was thinking. And something about Mary. They show you. They show you. Right. Zipped well, up. Well, the Farrelly <laughs> brothers. I'm sure for these guys. I'm sure Showtime. Yeah, yeah, no. And you know, and and for writers out there, 
and directors too. There's just certain battles not worth fighting. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. Showtime. Well, I'm giving you advice too for what you're. you're, you're, Uh, Yeah, I wouldn't write that in. Young writer. Yeah. But I'm saying yes, that would have given you a little more, but it could have caused so much trouble Mm -hmm. with with Showtime. And I'm not saying this is the case, but with advertisers and whatnot, it's like I I just I find that interesting because like Showtime has been putting on Californication. It's shameless is what has been really getting at me uh, with all their what. Their extreme nudity and stuff. But are they showing the penis yeah, they shots got, and they, gore? Yeah, they should have got... Oh, not, not in gore. Yeah, so but, maybe that's the case. Okay. I mean, oh, you know what? Or Listen, I, I'm I'm speculating. Uh-huh. Okay. It could well, very it could very easily be the fact that they just didn't want to go there. I, well, for me, it's it's more of... I mean, I was kind of wondering, like... I mean, of course, I cringed when I saw it, and then I began to wonder, okay, how serious is it? And sort of, you know what I mean? So there was that creative... Right, so maybe it's not... It's, it. Let's not make it a gore fest. Let's, let's keep it comical oh, yeah. and it does move the story along i mean and it, again good story uh cinema storytelling just seeing the little drops of blood yeah. on the ground you know you didn't need to see it you didn't need to yeah, see yeah, it yeah. you see that and you, you're you're like oh my god yeah so off they go to the hospital once again i'm disappointed to see the the uh lame um the doctor gen x or gen y doctor yeah. just too cool for school <laughs> but we learned that Runkle, through this mishap, we learned that Runkle went to the weenie Todd of uh, vasectomy doctors, and more than likely, his vasectomy did not work, and in fact, Marcy will be carrying his baby. I, so that I was, it's, it seems like where they're going, and it seems like the... Did I, did I miss something with that? I, when did they sleep together um, recently? I mean, I think last season. Uh didn't they, when they were kind of not making up, but they were coming out of this place of I hate each other and they just decided to stay in the house together? If it was in the last two episodes, I missed it. No, no, I think it was previous season. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, in the previous season. The yeah. Last two episodes. I might have missed it, but I was just, I was like, I was thinking, I was hoping it was Stu's, um, Stu, Stu uh, the producers. Well, he hasn't, she tested oh, right. him yet. Yeah, it's right. And we he's still, tested. he's after her and he's got a big schrant, so right, they so say. This, yeah, this is the uh, And you'll be seeing big Stu. Yeah. I'm sure he's not going anywhere. Yeah, and just by the, I mean, her look when uh, when she finds out this news, you know, I mean that that told me that they had slept together when not right. we'd seen it or whatever, mm-hmm. and just the horror. So we're gonna get to see. I mean, <laughs> I'm laughing out loud. Runkle as a dad, yeah. <laughs> hilarious. Okay, let's move on to the lawyer. So um, and 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 I'm sorry, it's Ab- Abby, Abby, right? Abby, this yes. is Carla Gugini. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Hank shows up to the uh, the uh, he sees the deposition you know the tele the tape deposition of um, who's the young Mia. girl the Mia, un- Mia, Mia the yeah. underage girl that he's being accused of uh, for statutory rape mm-hmm. and in the deposition she admits to never having told him her age to lying about her age and then also uh, as to why she punched him it was and I think I have it written down here. Um, so he'd remember her. Mm-hmm. And so uh, our attorney, uh, Abby, says, you know, this looks, looks good. I think they're going to make a deal, and I think you're, you're off the hook. Then the two of them sit and settle down to some flirting, and uh, we see them both flirting with each other. He invites her out for, a, a quote, a night of alcohol and bad decisions. <laughs> Just, again, great writers on this show. With, with, but some real good dialogue between the two of them. But the way they talk to each other, 
you can see that they have each other's number. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that pays off when he goes to dinner with her later. Um, ends up setting the date with her. You know, he knew full well uh, what her situation was, of mm-hmm. course. And they go out for a date, and she says, well, it'll just be because we can discuss your bill, whatever. They go out on their date, and he shows up early because it's at the hotel that he's staying at, which uh, is, is the Marmont. And for any of you people outside of Hollywood, this is all pretty organic. Many We've talked about it. Many, many writers, many artists, many stars stay at that hotel. Uh, many of them dine there. Uh, I have many, many times, uh, and, and a lot of other people in the industry have as well and do as well. So for him to, to have this meeting there, it's, it's perfect, but also it's not such a giant coincidence for him to see Sasha, mm-hmm. the young girl who is going to play um, Mia, Mia in the movie Hank is writing, and he also sees Mia, who is meeting with Sasha, because Sasha wants to get to know her better to to do the role. Mm-hmm. And so once again, really great cinematography. So the three of them bump into each other and have this little awkward moment. We see the girl Mia is viked out of her mind. She's all high. And in walks our attorney, Abby, and there's a great shot. Did you guys remember this shot? It was framed great of the three of them together. It was um, Sasha, Mia, and Hank. And you could see part of um, shoulder or something like that. Yeah, it was it was Abby's shoulder, mm. and yeah. you could tell it was like, uh oh, I missed that. Yeah, and it came into it was like, and I think it even might have been out of focus, and it came into focus, mm-hmm. and they it was like <laughs> caught in another awkward position. But because she kind of knows has his number and doesn't, and when I say has his number, it's not in a in a in a negative way. Like I got your number, I know you're a con artist. No, she really knows who he is. So she she's like. I I know, and she walks in on him. Uh, he's got the actress. She she jumps on him, and so they're embraced. Oh, yes, oh. yes. So that's it. So she's got the actress, and he's got the actress in his arms. The other girl, the underage girl, who they're in a court case with a giant court case that could put him in prison for ten years, and she walks in on this. And what I find interesting about her character is instead of, you know, being like somebody typical who would just about face and walk out, she just is more or less like, you know what, Hank, cause, because I know you, mm-hmm. I know that you would just walk into something like this, that it would be this awkward, but that I understand you better to know that, you know, you're not trying to sleep with them and sleep with me. Like, no, this is just who you are. Mm-hmm. And I actually find it refreshing. And so the two of them sit down, and once again, great dialogue between the two, but here's what I found to be very good writing beyond even the dialogue was about her characters, we learn that she wanted to be a novelist. And, and you know, Stu, you've heard me say it before. I know Phil's heard me say it a lot. But, tr- you know, truly what uh, half of being a good writer is and even being a good actor is, is knowing people mm-hmm. and knowing situations. And, when, and that's unfortunately what, you know, bad actors or bad writers, where they technically may be able to form a sentence Pay, pay, you know, uh, construct the paragraphs in the right way, but to really have insight into people, into human beings, into people's souls—that's what a great writer is. And we know that with Hank, right? Doesn't mm-hmm. he seem like he has an angle on everybody? He knows everybody who who they are, and he just happens to be very honest about it, which is part of the character, which we'll we'll talk uh, when we talk about um, 
um, Tom Capino's, it's, it's one of the um, mainstays of this character, is that he is just honest, and this is what gets him in trouble. But beyond the fact that he verbalizes all of it, he knows. He knows who Runkle is. He knows who, the, you know, he knows who all these people are. But this girl, this, the lawyer, knows him just as well. I mean, she has him down. Two very strong, different opinions, by the way, about how they, they choose to live their lives. But she really knows him. But, and and when, she, when she confesses to having uh, started out as a novelist, then I was like, ah, okay, I get it. I get that's why she knows him. He, she's like, well, I wrote it, and this is what it was about. It was very stereotypical. And he agrees, and he, goes, and he said, uh, it sounds like the first five novels that I wrote. Now, of course, she wrote her bad one, got discouraged, got discouraged and quit and became a lawyer. He hung in and became successful. So he's almost, it was almost like, to me, I took it as a tease, as like maybe had she just written those four more books, she too would have been a great writer. She just gave up too soon. And maybe that's what we're building here with the two of them. Hank is hanging in. In life, he's hanging in. He's hanging in with, with what he's been given. And she just isn't. She's like, forget it. I'm just going to be a lawyer, and I'm going to be cold, and I'm just going to have sex when I want to, yada, yada, yada. And, and one of the great things she says is, you can't be uh, – I'm looking at my notes here. It was, it was the, the line about oh, dark squirrel chaos and white picket fences. And she said, Hank, you think you can have both. And he said, maybe one feeds the other. And she says, no, one destroys the other. So you're seeing that these guys are very similar, but two different philosophies with how to handle the tools that they were given. So it almost leads you to believe, is like, is this the, it, the perfect girl for him, or is she not right for him because she's not following through in writing the four more books and hanging in with, with and, and not just residing, re, uh, resigning herself to, okay, kind of life sucks, then you die, mm-hmm. basically. Well, she definitely admires him. Um, I, think, I think Hank, the way I'm looking at it, I think Hank's the perfect guy for her um, in terms of Hank's a guy who likes to, who, who likes to just... And maybe he could bring her artistic side back out. My, maybe that. I don't know about her... With Hank, though, I mean, because it's, well, yeah, maybe Hank needs somebody because Hank likes the people's like uh, that, that are like Karen, who who will cook him breakfast, who are devoted to him. Um, but at the same time, he always breaks their hearts. I don't. Maybe Hank will. Re- yeah, but wait, wait, you, yeah. two different things here. Not yeah. what Hank wants. What's good for Hank? Right. Is that good for Hank? Someone who just makes it all about him and cooks him breakfast? Uh, well, I don't. I don't think so. As we've seen, it's it's kind of. Well, it's not working, but again, he says maybe one feeds the other. He's got this, you know, for this guy who's very dark, this character's very dark, we see he has hope. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's got hope. He he might not have hope overall as a a character, but within him, in his heart, he has hope that this will work out and things will get better. Yeah. And, and, you know, her last line to him, he receives a text from Karen saying, hey, Becca's playing at the whiskey, and he smiles. And she's, she notices and immediately, again, because I think she was an aspiring writer who knows people. She knows. That's it. Date's over. Mm-hmm. And go. And I'm actually okay with you going because mm-hmm. I know this is really what you need to do. And her last line is, you know, you should smile more often. Yeah. It got me wet. Yeah. <laughs> and then dot, dot, dot. It got me wet. So it's like it's a really a parallel of him because there's a nice, a nice poignant line. Mm-hmm. You should smile more often, and he should. 
and then of course the the trap door opens <laughs> yeah because it got me wet so it's just very interesting i think as i'm talking out loud it seems to me like the two of them maybe she's somebody that can almost prepare him for who he should be with in the end which mm-hmm. maybe should be karen i've always felt like in in life there you ever notice there's certain really you guys are really young but there's always those relationships that are almost like it, i liken them to uh, a pitching staff in baseball. You know, you've got your starter, and then you have your setup man, and then you have your, your relief, which finishes the game. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's there's re- partners out there that are almost setup partners, they're, that they're good, and you get a lot from them. Look at Jesse, you're nodding. But they're setting you up for the right person mm. you need to meet. So, so again, you're so young, Stu, so just take notes on this now. Okay. You, you, don't, you don't need your comments. Just take notes. But So you're looking the probably – You're looking for your setup person. Setup person. Your setup girl or guy. My girlfriend will love this, purpose, by yeah. the way. Well, she might be – I don't know if she's the closer. <laughs> I don't know. But she could be the setup. Uh-huh. She could be the setup to teach you how to be in a relationship, maybe what you need to do right, what you need to do wrong. Maybe she's going to break your heart. Maybe you're going to break her heart. Whatever it's going to be, but it's the setup for the final thing. And I feel like this lawyer more than likely will be is going to be his setup mm-hmm. for him to be with Karen. But I don't know. You never know with these writers. No, I definitely agree. I don't. I don't think she is the the it the end for him. Uh, I don't. I don't because they're too. Yeah, like they're they're very alike in my mind. And I don't. I, I think that's going to clash eventually, or it's just not. It's just not going to work. And and Hank is like I already said, he's looking for the Karens, but he just doesn't know how to handle that exactly because he's always he, has, he doesn't have it right yet. He doesn't it's, have it it's right. right. Dark squirrely. It's the dark squirrels and the white picket fence, it's, and he's, and he's and he believes he can make both work, and I love that about him. And I think it's just time for someone to break his heart as opposed to him breaking someone else's heart. And I think this is will be. And maybe yeah. right, and with Kamal Macchiata, yeah, Lenny Kravitz, yeah. Who, by, by the way, so that's that's a great uh, segue. We we he leaves, he goes to whiskey, he gets to see about thirty seconds of Becca on stage performing, and again we see this band, and I'm gonna. It's such a great show. I'm gonna forgive seeing them, but I just. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like when that stuff's uh, forced on us. And I know they have their MySpace page, and I know they're legitimate, and I'm sure they're they're very decent. It's not, it's not doing too well on the IMDb boards. No, no. Then people fans feeling the same way. Yeah, people are like, uh, why? Why does Becca's band have to cover Alice in Chains, and which was the song I think they played? Yeah, and, I think you know, all just, this stuff. But just ten seconds of it's yeah, fine. Right, I yeah. mean, I just it, it, if it's there for the story, it's great. But if we're there to promote a band, I'm just not interested. Mm-hmm. But I feel like. Becca's – here's where it is good writing. I buy that she is – her character is a guitarist and who's a brooding artist. Obviously, her dad's an artist, so it's like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And she's got enough of the mom in her, which has the morality, which is a lot of her struggle. But he gets in there. He only sees a few seconds. But what's so revealing is he, he goes up to the new boyfriend – well, not the new boyfriend, the – the new not love interest of Karen, well, he the goes, new flirt. Well, he goes up to Karen. Well, what's his, but wait, what's his name? Uh, ben. Ben? Yeah. Ben. So so he is Hank. I didn't like seeing the side of Hank. So rude and obnoxious. And is that what you're going to get to, Phil? He, he takes his beer? Yeah. Uh, I, I thought the sense you were going to say was where he, Hank went up to him. But it was it was Ben comes up to Karen, obviously carrying her beer, and he just – you know, takes and he's like, Thanks. Ah, okay, good, good, good. Yeah, I thought he like he just ripped it out of his hand. I well, he did rip it out notes. of his hand, but no, but I yeah, but I didn't know yeah, that's a good point that he brought the beer. Up, which is going to lead to my bigger point is what I love about Ben is notice how decent he is. Like 
they're not making that you want this guy to be a villain because we all want to cheer for Hank. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Really a decent guy. Yeah. I mean, he's a mensch. He's doing everything de- decent by the book. He's like, listen, don't be that guy. What guy? What guy? He's like, and uh, you can get me the next round, and I'll just forget that little act of disrespect by taking my beer away. So even he has every right to punch Hank in the face. He doesn't, but he also stands his ground. Mm. So it shows he's, he's, he's a great catch for Karen. And then he's man enough even to, which, you know, is a, a bigger conversation, leads to a bigger conversation. He even invites him out afterwards. Yeah, he's, he's, he's generous. He's a good guy. He's good looking. He's not stupid. He's not, he's not stupid. He's, he doesn't have a big ego like that. That's right. Yeah, like pre- Karen's previous uh, guy, fiance. He, like, who was easy to hate. This guy, it's like, hate, no, yeah. this is like, and he's a stand-up guy. He's like, no, 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 and don't do that again. Mm-hmm. But before the invitation for let's all go out afterwards comes, Becca comes off the stage. Of course, she's real happy to see her dad. But it's revealed in that moment that Becca has re- has denied him to her friends. Jeez, I thought your dad wasn't in your life. Yeah. Oh, and it's like a knee to the groin, as you can imagine, for Hank. Is that why Hank left? Okay, a couple of things. That's a really good question. In fact, I wrote that down. Why did Hank leave? Mm-hmm. So Ben, being magnanimous, being the bigger of all of them, says, listen, let's, let's all go out with our daughters. You, you know, Hank, you're invited. And Hank says, no. So I wrote why, so I wanted to table it here. I could tell you my opinion is half of him is down and out, and I think the other half of him loves the daughter and the wife so unconditionally Mm -hmm. that he knows his presence there would disrupt what could be a very nice night for Becca and, and Karen. So, but I mean, what did you guys think? I thought... I thought for him, it, it was really taking it to, to heart what the fact that, you know, her friend says to Becca, I thought he was out of the picture. And so he was kind of respecting Becca's wishes of, like, if that's how you want to present me as, then that's fine. Especially wait, wait going, so that's more bratty. Is that, you, do, kind of bratty. And then, and then um, you know, Karen also introduces Hank as Becca's father. And he, he has issues with that. He's like, that's it? I'm just Becca's father? Right. So... So he just feels he doesn't belong. So, he, so it's basically more about him. He took a hint. Okay. Stu, what do you think? Um, well, obviously, Karen and Becca seemed very happy. Um, I mean, Becca, I was surprised, came up and hugged him as so casually. So, like. Well, she just got off stage. That's why this is good writing. I mean, yeah. have you ever been on stage? Have you ever done music? No. Jesse, you know. Uh, it's one of the happiest, most amazing things to do. That's why even the biggest, biggest A list movie stars who have everything. It's just that feeling being on stage, getting the reaction. You're so right high, there. right? That live reaction, and 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 even more than theater, you get that in theater. But with music, you've got the you, sound, the, the energy. sound, the energy. That's right. And so, totally, you're you're. And I was a drummer in a, in 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 several bands in high school and in college, and there's nothing like it. Mm. And you jump off this. So I buy like here's this girl's got this dark presence. I mean, this goes back to Elvis Presley too. Like even at the end, as depressed as he was. That hour or two after he performed, high as a kite. Hmm. And I don't mean non-drugs either. He was high off of the work. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've seen Springsteen uh, after concerts, just high-five, you know, backstage, high-five and going crazy. I saw him another time drive out of dr- – his, um, uh, his limo pulled out of Fenway Park, 
and he hung out of the car just to high. He's sweating just to high. This is after three and a half hours performing just to high five all the fans. And not like I need to do this for my fans because I've seen actors and, and artists and stars do that before too. It's like, listen. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like a half window. It, right, it where they know they need to do it yeah. and they know they want to respect the fans. for No, he was just really fired up. So, I mean, I, I get it. Like, I get her running off the stage excited. And listen, she loves the father. Mm-hmm. She does. He's just messed up. Yeah. He's messed, he's messed up. And, and he's messed up their situation. But the girl loves him. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think she's a smart girl to know he's trying to get it right, but he just keeps messing up. Mm-hmm. And and I, I mean, it seems like any kid appreciates when their when their mom, dad, parent shows up to a performance. Of course, so, listen, yeah. deep deep down, I haven't known. One, and again, you know, I'm older, but I, I've seen more kids, um, who don't get along with their parents, but I've never known one to ever not care about the fact that they don't. Mm-hmm. No matter how much they, I hate my parents, I don't talk to them anymore, whatever, I've never known one to not really be bothered deep down inside, to not really wish things were better, that they weren't getting along, that they weren't close. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you guys. How much does she does she think or do we think that she thinks the fact that, you know, as he says, he only caught 23 seconds of it. For all Becca knows, he was there for the whole thing. So yeah. does that come into play? Uh, was that a jab at Karen? Uh, Oh, wait, wait, Becca didn't hear that, right? No, no Becca, right, right, right. Becca knows I, I, none of this. I just think okay. Becca's just, she's giddy, Phil. Okay. Yeah. She mm-hmm. just, she performs, she's excited, she just, you know, it's all good for her. Mm-hmm. Um, the bigger thing is Karen being on the fence about having him there to begin with, and then in the last minute say, okay, for the daughter, he should be here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, I'd like to think that there's more, un- there's some unconditional love there, where it's like, you know what, they're better off without me yeah and that's why he left to a degree i get he's hurt i get he's he's mad he's bratty but i think he's a good enough he's not such a narcissist and there's um, nothing there for him to undermine anyway or i mean involving ben right so i yeah but I, I, yeah in the end i just think he's like it, all right they're in good hands i'm yeah yeah and uh and they're doing better without me yeah and so back to where it really gets interesting is him Back at the hotel, just when he's about to settle in for a night of alcohol poisoning, Sasha comes to the door, and we think it's going to be, oh, God, Lucky Hank gets the booty call from another 19-year-old <laughs> cutie. But she's like, no, Mia is in really bad shape. You have to come. And there's Mia sitting. Uh, Chateau Marmont, you can see sunset right there. She's sitting on the balcony mm-hmm. as if she's going to jump. Um, and he climbs out there with her and sits next to her. And I think they have uh, a really, really cool exchange. Yeah, that was a special scene. I mean, Hank w- literally went out on the ledge for her, and um, right, and, and and was just telling her. And again, now back up. What did you just say? When this I, is what this is where this. I love great writing, and this is you know, Stu, you as a as a, a writer who's just breaking in. W- w- he went where? Went out on the ledge. Okay, and what happened? Right, and yeah. what, what's the deeper meaning of when someone goes out on a ledge? Uh, that he's sticking his neck out. He's um, that's right. Yeah. And now that speaks to why he's trying to coexist between the. Uh, I'm sorry, I keep forgetting the white picket fence and the dark and the squirrely chaos. Mm-hmm. He's willing to go out on a limb and try that with a lawyer. She 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 took her ball and went home. Mm-hmm. You know, she folded up her box and said, "No, I'm done." And how many people do we know? I know in life who started out with me, wanting to be writers, wanting to be artists. And just said, nope, I'm done. I'm not going to 
quote, go out on a ledge. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go hang myself out there, take rejection, get abused, whatever. Nope. I'm packing it up. I'm getting a husband and kids, a wife and kids, or I'm just going to throw myself into the corporate world. But Hank, willing to go out on a ledge, willing to go out on a limb for his career, for his life, and now now to try to make a family work with, with his dream as well. And there he goes out on the ledge to talk to the girl. So, again, I'm just pointing out if you really look at the subtext of everything that's going on in the show, the the between the dialogue and the situations – Really, really clever writing. Yeah. Really clever writing. So he goes out on the ledge, and he sits with her, and go ahead. Yeah, and then he just, he, I mean, she's in a dark dark spot, and he's just, he's just telling her all his, all his fears. Um, I'm, I'm afraid of croissants. I'm, I'm afraid of maple syrup, you know. And, and, yeah, he ma- and he, he makes her laugh, but, but the one interesting moment I want to table this to you guys is, you notice he looks down and he goes, we could jump together. Yeah. Now, was he just... Was he just throwing that out there to, to, to reel her back in and make them feel like we're in this together and, and, and try to inspire her to get off the ledge? Or was he considering it in that moment, just in that brief moment? Because if you look at the look of Duchovny, do you think in that moment he was just considering, you know, maybe, well, you know what, might not be a bad idea? I, what did you guys think? I don't think so. I, not at all? I think he had the greater plan. I mean, he follows it up, you know, maybe not instantaneously, but – very nicely, and there was definitely forethought in in his words. So, of, so of, he just know, went on the limb to pull her back in. It was part of the, the – yeah, he's telling a story with her. He had a beginning, a middle, and end. He knew the end. He was going to pull her back, get yeah. her off the ledge. What do you think, Stu? Uh, um, I, sorry. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, I, I think in that moment, I mean, he was definitely trying to come across to me that – I mean, it's – I mean, he, he very well could have. I mean, this – I think he could. I think he. I think, I think he just. He I think just in the one moment, it was just, and I mean, like a second. If you guys watch this on DVR, if you take a look at it again, it was one moment. He's like, you know, yeah, <laughs> kind of would make a lot of sense. Yeah, you know, you know, he knows that this girl at twenty-one is so messed up, or whatever, how old she is now. Yeah. He's no knows enough to know that chances of her pulling out of the spiral. I probably it's greater that she won't. Yeah, and he's looking at himself like, look, I'm, you know, my daughter and my wife are are, are with this, this nice guy Ben. Like they could have such a great life without me. Yeah, it's just in that moment. But then there, it goes back to the hope, yeah. the hope that he has, that his character has, which I I love, because I love that. As I as I don't I don't even like the people I meet, who are dark and brooding all the time that don't have any hope. It, who wants to be around them? Because I do know people who are dark and brooding, but w- deep down I know that they have some kind of hope that things will work out. And, of course, I feel like that hope pulled him right back in to talk about uh, being a kid again or, for him, going back to 94, yeah. <laughs> which is for, you know... Right, right, well, even, even before then, it's just he says it wouldn't be a n- very good ending to us. Uh, and it wouldn't be a good ending to us. Yeah, you know, because and yeah. and he was so right in that moment. You know, if they had jumped, and they're in the they're in the middle of this sort of case. Right. Yeah, they jumped just, together. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Horrible. <laughs> and in some sense, I was looking at like story wise, even just in the greater picture. Like if this was Californication, and how if it was to end right there, that would suck. Yeah, that would be it. Yeah, but no. But I think your 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 first point is better taken, Phil. That you're right. Imagine like the Hank. Die, you know, jumps to his death with the girl accusing him of statutory rape. Yeah, 
wouldn't be so wouldn't really be a, a it would probably do far more damage to Becca and Karen. Um, but he gets her back in in a really nice moment. And they crawl he crawls into bed because he is just so exhausted. He just lies down with his clothes on over the covers. She jumps in next to him, and then Sasha, who, by the way, Sasha, uh, I, I left out, which I loved, when she initially grabs Hank and says, oh, my God, she's really messed up. She, she needs you. Beat. She says something effective. I can't wait to play her. I Just, mean, I think that's what she literally said. Yeah. And, and, and so classic of the narcissist actors, like so excited for the role and not thinking of this human being. She crawls in bed, too, with him. And they start messing around with him, and... They're young. They're, you know, they're, they're young and obviously prone to bad decisions, so they're probably ready to get down and dirty with him. And don't you know, a couple of young punks who are at, the, at their little like party there snap a photo of these girls with their hands uh, down the same his guy, pants. Well, the same guys. That he dissed earlier in the night. At the, I didn't want to get into it because they're, they're such yeah. minor characters. But, yeah, he was kind of rude to them when he first went back to the hotel. But I don't, I don't want to get into so much expos. They take this picture, and it's like, and that, and and he doesn't know it. Once the picture is taken, he makes the girls pull away, and they just kind of cuddle and fall asleep. So he does the gentleman thing; he does the right thing. However, the picture says something much different. That gets emailed out, and it's like we just know when the credits come up that, oh, how the hell is he going to sell this to Karen and Becca and every and the lawyer and everyone else? And I can, I my prediction is the. The lawyer will probably believe him because she knows him. But, I mean, how much more can everyone expect? So we know that he's going uh, to be in for it. Why, why doesn't Hank have a publicist yet? Oh, my goodness. I, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know, I'm surprised they've left that out. I mean, I could think of they may even be more contemptible than um, agents, publicists. Mm-hmm. Um, and a little just trivia for everybody. Uh, Sweet Smell of Success, starring uh, Burt Lancaster and Tony Curtis, an amazing depiction of publicists uh, back in the early 50s, loosely based on a publicist and, and of course, the uh, infamous Walter Winchell, mm. but a great um, depiction of Hollywood publicists, and, and one, sadly, that, that just hasn't changed much. So I could see him being very... even worse with them, with a publicist. And I could see his character, I could buy that his character wouldn't want one. But you're right, typically in this, uh, for a famous author, they they usually go get one. They usually go get Ken Sunshine. They don't get get the Hollywood guys. They get the, those are the guys that do more of the politicians and the respectable people. Anyway, uh, on that note, uh, let's go to a commercial and we'll come back and we'll talk about um, some juicy information on Tom Kapinas. Plus, we'll have uh, predictions for next week. Want to find out what the AfterBuzz is about? Janice is a drama queen. This yeah. is the divide that is going to carry the series. Give us a call at 347-855-8269. This television, and they want it to be as dramatic as possible. I mean, it's an experience. You never know what goes on behind closed doors. Get in on the AfterBuzz. 347-855-8269. Now, in the eyes of Jimmy, Nucky is a villain. 
Listen on iTunes. I mean, who would you guys rather hear that from? Find us on Facebook. Your husband or your best friend? Follow us on Twitter. And then she's trying to kill him, so it justifies it. I'm like, oh, now it makes sense. And visit us at AfterBuzzTV.com. <laughs> the wig! The wig oh, come off. That wig come off, baby. No! Boardwalk Empire. Desperate Housewives. Glee. Gossip Girl. Breaking Bad. Madman. True Blood. The Walking Dead. Big Love. Jersey Shore. The Oscars. Celebrity Rehab. The Emmys. If it's hot, you can bet we'll be buzzing about it. All right, and we're back. And, you know, I said at the opening of the show, uh, I, w- I was uh, very apologetic for not knowing more about um, Tom Capinos, the creator of this show. My my guess, my speculation was that Hank was based on him and his experiences as a writer. And, and knowing at least enough that he, you know, through IMDb, that he had um, once been a writer and executive producer of Dawson's Creek, it would seem as though it would make sense that this would be Hank Moody, his experiences uh, as a as a writer in Hollywood on a on a really hot and famous show, probably making a lot of money, going to bars and drinking, dealing with the misery of having to probably work on that show. Not that that would be miserable to most writers, but I think to a writer of of Capino's capacity. I mean, if you compare Dawson's Creek to Californication, it's like comparing a Yugo to. <laughs> You know, Alexis, I mean, yeah. you can see the difference. So you, you see within him was um, a very high, high-end writer. And to have such a high-end writer on a, a little, you know, teen show like Dawson's Creek, uh, you could see that that would probably frustrate him. So doing some more research about the show and about uh, Tom came upon some interesting things. He did – it is, in fact, based on his experiences – and his experience on Dawson's Creek definitely led to this. He, he called it um, his boot camp, uh, TV grad school. And the one thing he said was the most difficult was dealing with the actors. Hmm. He, he, I think he called them, uh, and I quote, uh, they, he said they made, they, he goes, they, he said the actors were very young and they got very famous very fast and they made, Life miserable for all the writers and producers. Uh, but before that, he said, the actors made the experience difficult. The four monstrous actors at the core of it. So <laughs> he saw them all as little monsters. And they put him through hell. But, and I'm sure he, but he made a lot of money. And I'm sure he um, had a lot of fame and popularity in the business. And I'm sure he probably drank his sorrows away at bars. And at strip clubs and things like that. And let's face it, what girl, young aspiring actress or stripper or just general pretty girl bar isn't going to be impressed with a guy who's in charge of Dawson's Creek, right? Mm-hmm. So he's probably going to be able to have his way with, his, with any women he wants. And, and, but it's like more women, more drinking, and that numbs the pain a little bit, but you still have the pain in your core that you're not fulfilled in terms of your art, your craft, and whatever your day job is. Uh, he actually wrote... Um, a movie, Californication. Hmm. And it wasn't titled that, but he uh, created the Hank character and all of Hank's experiences based on his own, and he wrote a screenplay. 
but he didn't have an ending for it. And his wife said, okay, you don't have an ending, but man, I love the first 60 pages. It's literally the best writing you've ever done. And so that's when he started taking it out as a, as a TV pilot, 60 minutes, that's an hour. Mm-hmm. Showtime loved it, ends up picking the show up. Hmm. And you know, he, he said uh, California is the only state that it could be done. And I will tell you from my own experience as a writer out here, it is the only state because it's the only state where you can have a Runkle and you can have a Marcy um, and you can have you know, girls coming in and out of your life and in and out of your bed and friends the same. It's, it's for all the places I've lived, um, there's nothing like it. Hmm. There's nothing like it in terms of um, a lot of the detachment that goes out here and a lot of uh, – we've talked about that on other shows, how it's – the setting here is just much different than the rest of the world. And to be an East Coast guy like I am and like you guys are and to come out, it's culture shock for us. Well, Stu's from Dallas. Uh, well, he went to school at Emerson, though. That's why I'm going. That's still four years of your life, which, yeah, yeah. which for you guys is a fifth of your life, which yeah, yeah. is a long time. <laughs> you know, it's like – but – but, to 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 be an outsider and to come in here and especially uh midwest on you know i think there's a lot northern californians aren't as thrown by it i've noticed but it seems people from the midwest over to the east coast it, it's it's in the south it's it's culture shock when you come out here mm-hmm. and you deal with this and you know you probably drink your womanized to deal with it i'll confess i did and that only brings you more into the darkness. It doesn't bring you into the light. Hmm. So anyway, he – they say, you know, I know, Phil, you live by what – that write what you know. Yeah. You're always saying yeah, I, that. You know, know your world, write what you know. Well, that's why this is such good writing, I think, because this is his world, and he knows it very well. You referred to his wife saying, um, I love the first 60 pages. Uh, what number – was his wife number three or wife? Oh, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know that. No, I don't know that. Okay. I don't know that. No, he listen. I don't have multiple wives. Yeah, he was probably single and dating out here. He could have been. It doesn't sound. You know, it it sounds like he's a pretty young guy. Mm-hmm. I think he's still he he might be forty or still in his thirties. Um, but I I don't know. It didn't seem like there was one. It seemed like it was it was probably girlfriend to girlfriend spiraling down into his into his depression yeah. but out comes um this as he said distinctly hollywood tale of of the adventures of hank moody uh i know one of the things he enjoys too is is the music which he likes to use music that would only be in hank's library and he said that hank is the type of character that would just have um one set of songs or or one type of music and that's it. And he would just be loyal to that. Hmm. You know, he's not—he's uh, not one that's you know going to the new clubs trying to get into new music and new scene. You know, new—he's—he's he's not exchanging new files uh, with friends. It's classic rock, or you know, I think it was classic rock, but whatever it is, that's it for him. Hmm. So it was just interesting. It was—I you know, was—I I found it inspirational to to read the story. For me, it reaffirmed what I I thought I knew about him, but now I can confirm it. But I think, you know, for you guys, it's, uh, it's inspirational, you know, to, to write what you know, to keep living your life. And then also don't be so um, – don't be so if – if this place does bum you out or get you down a little bit because it is so different to, to, you know, to not let it 
well, so much, but also it could go the other way where you get so swept up in it. You don't want to do that either. Well, can you speak to uh, the actor situation now? I mean, he hated the four actors on uh, Dawson's Creek, and now with this, I, I assume he loves the actors or loves to work with these guys. Um, okay. Slash, can you, can you talk about yes, maybe I can probably tell you why. Yes, go ahead. I'm sorry, Phil. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, what else? Do you have another question? Well, the, the last bit is that you, as sort of um, in Hollywood with experience, what is is that a typical experience? What is the more typical experience, the Californication actor's experience or the Dawson's Creek experience? I yeah. think it's 50-50. Mm-hmm. And I think that he was not – he did not cast those kids at Dawson's Creek. He came on they, – they went through several showrunners. Mm-hmm. He had only been a writer there for two years, and, he, and then they made him a showrunner, which is – a very big jump. A, shows his talent to jump that fast. And B, it shows probably how fast they were going through people because the, it was probably such a difficult set to work on. So he didn't cast them. But I think any experienced director or producer knows that, yes, it's one thing to get someone who's great in the role, but then you need to really get to know them because you have to know that you could conceivably be spending 10 years of your life with this person. And if they're going to be a nightmare – well, the signs are going to be a nightmare. You don't want to work with them. And right now, the it's more difficult for an actor to be heinous than it, it, because the competition is greater than it's ever been. There's just um, this, there's, there's too much uh, money on the line with the way the economy is, too much pressure, I, I think. Uh, and then the fact that that a lot of movie stars don't sell tickets anymore. And because of all these reasons, more directors and producers are able to say, you know what, you're, you're going to be a little, a little asshole, I know it, or a little bitch, and uh, I don't want you on my set. I don't want to work with you for, ten so, so, for so many years. Mm-hmm. So I think people now have more power. Producers and directors have more control over that now more than ever. And I believe, I believe they were always cognizant of it, but I think they, they know they have more power now because that actor isn't necessarily going to make or break the show. Yeah. Their bad behavior will break the show, and that's happened before too. Mm-hmm. So on Dawson's Creek, he didn't have that control. Now, you cut to his show where H- Hank is, is such an insightful character but because this guy writes about Hank, he, I would get, I would, I mean, I don't even think it's, it's easy to say that Tom uh, Capinos is insightful about human beings himself. That's why he's such a great writer, which we touched upon earlier in the episode. So he's insightful enough where whoever he's going to cast or meet with, like I bet you anything, him and Duchovny are the best of friends. Mm-hmm. I bet you Runkle, I bet you they all, I bet you well, it's, it's a love affair over there. Uh, Duchovny is also an executive producer now. Absolutely, yet. and you know what? I bet you he's a guy that he's he's involved in such a positive way, and, and, and he's got the power now because there is no show without him at this point. Yeah. But in the casting process, you had a shot mm-hmm. getting Scott Bakula, maybe somebody else, but um, but I'm sure that they're on the same page. Those two want to make a great show together. There's, there's so many great stories in television about this. Uh, uh, James Garner and Stephen J. Cannell, my very first boss at the end of his tenure, um, just passed away a few months ago, too. A terrible loss for our business. But S- Stephen Cannell, creator of the A-Team and the Rockford Files, all these shows, I know him and James Garner were so close that when the network came in and said, we need Rockford, the character of Rockford, to be more like the character of Steve McGarrett on Hawaii Five-0. This is the original Hawaii Five-0. Mm. And the two of them sat out. 
they literally sat had a sit up. They and they and I, I heard, for at least the legend has it, that they sat down on milk crates on the set and stopped working because they were that close. Now you see that symbiosis on a lot of great shows, and I would guess and I would speculate strongly that he's ca- because he's casting this and because he knows people very well and because he's had his hand burnt on the stove by douchebag performers and actors that I'm sure he's got a great group around him. I know um, Ray Romano on, on Everyone Loves Raymond, once he had the power on that show, um, you had an interview, to even a write on the show, you, had a, you not only had to get hired by him and his, cup, his two or three showrunners, but you had to be interviewed by everyone on the writer's staff, up and down, had to approve you because they just didn't want jerks. They just wanted nice people, you know. And um, so I'm sure at this point, it's all good, and he's got. I mean, of course, you're gonna have you're gonna have a couple of bad apples mm. you know, here and there. I'm sure it's not every day is not a love affair for them, but I would guess that um, they're all very happy together. Yeah, I well, I'm 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 glad that I if I feel like it's just a because I know you said it's fifty fifty. Um, yeah, or 50, would say, I mean that's fifty fifty. No, because sometimes you get it where they they all hate each other and none of them get along, and then they make great things. But um, so it can go both ways. Yeah, and listen. The showrunner himself, you guys, yeah, yeah, can be a jerk too. And then that, and I had a, you know, one of my old producers always said, the show, and he would say this also about a company. He's like, but the show takes on the personality of the person running it. Yeah. So, you wear Capinos sounds like a great guy. Sometimes you just get, they're the monsters, and these people hire other monsters, and it's a monstrous situation. And I don't want to name drop, but I know plenty. Yeah. Of sets. That are like that with heinous and wicked people. Yeah. And you look no further than the person running it who's heinous and wicked. Mm. So that's why I said it's 50 50. Okay. I, I was just going to say, I, I didn't even think about that. I was going to say, I was like, I'm a, uh, coming up. I'm hoping that I don't have to deal down the line with. Uh, oh my God, you're so going to have to. Oh, well. But here's. As the, much. But as no, much. no. But you've got, listen, you, you keep your ears open. Yeah. You've got me. You've got, you, you read about these other experiences. You know, for me, I'm always. Uh, uh, watching interviews with other artists and reading biographies, you know, you, you try your best. Mm-hmm. You try your best to learn, and and then you just ha- try to have good judgment with the people you bring in, and don't fall so in love with their talent. Also, you have to know: are they willing to work hard? Yeah. When we're in hour fifteen, are they going to say, you know what? Let's go to hour twenty as long as we get what we need to make the show amazing, mm-hmm. or are they going to be rolling their eyes? And saying, I want to go home, I'm supposed to go out, I have plans, I have dinner. So these are all things now, now that uh, through, through um, Tom Capinos and, yeah. of course, after Buzz TV, CSU, you'll be able to uh, consider these things. So what do you say we go to news and gossip? After Buzz TV News. Kristen Bell will join the Showtime family in the upcoming dark comedy House of Lies. The former Veronica Mars star will team up with Don Cheadle for the pilot. The two will play management consultants, likely making light of unethical business practices that have gone on Wall Street and beyond over the past few years. Wait, wait, so why, but why is this news for um, Californication? It's Showtime. Well, actually... Um, is it a Showtime show? That, that uh, Is it a movie? Someone... We, we actually touched upon this uh, in weeks no, you prior, know I think and someone a, is directing it. Someone is directing no, this well, pilot. Well, it says the Showtime family, so I, you know what? I think it is a. Um, it must be a Showtime production, but it's only pilot. We don't know if it's going to be many seasons. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay, what else we got? 
David Duchovny, Duchovny has been making movies and television shows for 23 years. While finding moderate success in films, television has been great to Duchovny. He has starred in three very successful shows, Red, Red Shoes, Diary of the X-Files, and Californication. David says, in Hollywood, just having one successful television show is one's career is a miracle in itself, so having three is like winning the lotto. I feel lucky. Ah, uh, okay. Well, that I can... Jeez. Ray Romano's having this same success with uh, another one of my favorite shows, mm-hmm. uh, Men of a Certain Age. In the old days, it, it is definitely um, lightning striking twice because in the old days, you had three networks, maybe yeah, yeah. four. So... For a guy like um, Red Fox to go from Sanford and Son, and then you know, I know at the end of his life he had another show. It, it, it was always the guys that could pull it off, or the and the girls too. Where it's Lucy had three shows, Mary Tyler Moore had a few shows, uh, Valerie Burtonell, Valerie Harper had a few shows. Uh, back then it was. It's great that he's appreciative, and again, this is probably why he's great to work with because he appreciates how blessed he is and how blessed we all are to be in this business but that's why he'll continue to work but today with 500 channels um, the chances are much greater for you to to be able to keep working Mm -hmm. but here's okay now here's the here's the contradiction I'll say sometimes the star power in TV is hurting you more and more because sometimes it seems like the new faces are the ones you notice a lot of these cable series it's all about these new faces whether it's um Burn notice or white collar or uh, lights out. Any you're noticing, it's generally a new face yeah. that they're liking to use. Whereas you see some of these old TV faces, and for me, it almost takes me out of the show. Mm. Like, oh my god, what's I don't know, what's that? What's Urkel doing playing? <laughs> not you know, just as not to knock Jaleel White, but what's he doing playing? This character, and by the way, that's a lame example because he's a very handsome young man. I wouldn't even recognize him. You wouldn't even recognize him. <laughs> but the point is, sometimes you notice when you're seeing it, um, a TV star you know so well. Like for me, Stacy Keach and Lights Out. Like I know it's Stacy Keach. I'm like, why? You know, get me an old boxing manager. You know, you've got Stacy Keach playing a boxing manager, and I, I have a hard time on that show getting over that. Mm-hmm. So he is lucky. He is blessed. But the cha- but but what I, I guess what I'm just going to say is, you're going to be seeing more of this. You're going to see. People have probably five shows over the over the uh, over their careers. If they're positive, if they're easy to work for, easy to work with, and they're talented, you'll be um, you'll be seeing a lot more than that. And yes, Phil, you also need to learn how to read too. So when are we gonna get a? I, re- I mean, that. what happened here? Phil, I thought Stu, you were gonna well, jump in and read. Oh, no, because I didn't want to be made fun of. I wanted to uh, let someone else burn at the stake. Okay, you and, could uh, tell us before the show, though. Oh, I didn't. Know. Jesse, I, can you read? Can Jesse? I, I want I you can. to read the last one. David Duchovny, read that for me, because <laughs> you can start doing the news. David Duchovny has been making movies and television shows for 23 years. While finding moderate success in films, television has been great to Duchovny. He has starred in three very successful shows: Red Shoes, Diaries, and The X Files and Californications. David says, in Hollywood, just having one successful television show in one's career is a miracle in itself, so having three is like winning the lotto. I feel very lucky. Okay, better. Now, listen. Here's what we have to do. You guys have to... We all have to read this before we go up. So, on the commercial break, whoever's going to do news... Now, see, Jesse, two notes. Had you read that once before, you would have been even better. And two... We're going to work on losing your Boston accent. You don't want to end up like me. All right. But other than that, really good. All right, Jesse, yeah, you might, you might actually have yourself a job. Okay, well, that is your AfterBuzz TV Californication News and Gossip for the week of February 7, 2011, which Phil probably already said. 
Let's go to predictions for next week. After Buzz TV predictions. Nice. Well, I thought we'd have more out of Rich on that. That's it? Yeah, he didn't want to go too much. I like that. Oh, it like just came out of news and gossip. So, so wait, but I I missed the old one, the the Mystery Science Theater no, one. Gone. No, gone. really? That was. I mean, Can, maybe do you we, have that one, Jesse? Can I hear it? If we're doing a Halloween one, maybe. Do you have it, Jess? No, he doesn't. Have, oh, we no. don't have it. Oh, you guys even dumped it all. Wow. No. I, well, I, we have we have it in the archives, but not. It's got to be longer than that. It's got to be longer than that. Okay. For for, for me, the the one thing that stands out is Rob Lowe, because that's that's who they showed up and down. Yeah. Um, and, again, great writing. Instead of just making this guy two-dimensional in just one note, which is, oh, I'm the crazy actor who just drinks and has sex and is really shallow, we see in the preview he says, he, Rob Lowe says, Rob Lowe's character says to Hank, this character, the Hank character, this is about a guy keeping it, keeping it together while falling apart. So even you see Rob Lowe. Remember what I said about actors and writers need half of it is just getting it. It's just understanding people and situations and knowing them. You see that as crazy as they're painting this Rob Lowe character, they're not falling into that stereotype of him just being, I'm the crazy actor who just drinks and has sex with everybody and then shows up on set and is good looking and read lines. He really gets it as an artist, as an actor. So we're going to see that. I think they're going to have a really funny adventure next week. And we're going to see them have this like little exchange. So it's nice. So maybe it'll even uh, give Rob Lowe's character more to do mm-hmm. rather than just be funny for us. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're going to see fallout from that picture, right? Don't you think? The fallout? You, fa- no. Fallout? I'm, Stu, I'm what lost. show are you doing? I'm, the the photo sorry. that gets sent out of him oh, with the yeah, two I'm, girls, okay. dumbass. Right. Excuse me. Well, Come on. I'm just looking forward to see who's, who's going to finance this film next. Who's going to? Okay, that's great. Yeah. That's the last thing on my mind. Phil? Yeah, I would say the photo. They, they don't really show or preview the photo too much as, as being a catastrophe, but we'll see. Yeah, it was a very short preview, so but it's gonna happen. I mean, it's gonna be huge. I mean, unless they're gonna skip an episode for it to get out there, but that doesn't sound like them. No. Anyway, we'll go over it next week. Thanks, guys. For producers Kevin Undergaro and Phil Svitek, engineer DJ Jesse Janity, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in to the AfterBuzz TV network. If you have questions, comments, or would like to host an AfterBuzz show of your own, be sure to buzz us at info at AfterBuzzTV.com. And you can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter by searching for AfterBuzzTV. Buzz you later! The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzzTV or its owners or principals.